When you think about a typical Canadian landscape, you think majestic mountains, peaceful lakes, and lush forests as far as the eye can see. Forests are a part of our Canadian identity, but they're also tied to our well-being. Forests provide us with an array of social, economic, and environmental benefits, which is why we need to ensure that they stay healthy. Things like natural disasters, pests, and resource extractions can pose a problem. On this episode, we talk to a scientist who's working with industry, academia, indigenous communities, and various levels of government to reclaim and restore damaged forest landscapes. Welcome to a new episode of Simply Science, the podcast that talks about the amazing scientific work that our experts at Natural Resources Canada are doing. My name is Joel Houle, and joining me, remotely from a safe distance, is my lovely co-host, Barb Ustino. Barb, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Joel. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How has quarantine life been for you? Well, it's quite an eye-opener and like a lot of people across the country it all kind of happened so quickly and so it took a while to set up my home office uh, but I am really impressed with how all the technology is helping to helping us to stay connected and look here we are recording our very first work from home podcast yeah yeah exactly yeah so for uh, depending on when you're listening to this, I guess we haven't really been able to release an episode in four months since March, and we're in July now. So, um, yeah, that's been quite of an adjustment as well on our end, getting the technical gear ready, uh, trying to adjust to this new situation that we're in. Barb, do you want to provide, uh, I guess, our, our audience with a little bit of background at what's been happening at Natural Resources Canada in the past few months? Oh, yeah. It's been uh, quite interesting times here at Natural Resources Canada, like a, a lot of people across Canada as well. Our government officials are busy trying to make sense of the COVID pandemic. So we've all had to adjust to the situation, our work situation, how to adjust our work spaces, how to adjust our work schedules, how to stay in touch. And so now most of us are work all of us are working at home now. There were lots of things to try to figure out at the, at the get-go, and now we found a way to move forward. So, so here we are. Yeah, and it's hard as well for our scientific community because a lot of the work that they do are either in labs or uh, doing field work. So they had to adjust as well. So, I mean, this, this is where we got to where we are now. So I think we're in, in a good place to restart the podcast. Um, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe we're not going to be able to do two a month like we were doing before. But, you know, we're going to try to do at least one a month and uh, keep mm -hmm. this thing going. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting work that continues at NRCAN. Our scientists have set up, you know, labs at home. They've brought seismic monitoring equipment home. So it's like everything you could do at the office, you can now do at home. Yeah, exactly. People are being very, very innovative. And lucky for us, um, our, our scientists and our experts are still willing to talk to us about yeah. the kind of things that they're doing. Our guest today is actually going to be talking about restoring forest landscapes. So, Barb, as someone who's lived on the West Coast, who's lived in Alberta, um, have you taken advantage of the, uh, of the natural landscape of those regions? Oh, yeah. It's, it's sort of a, an annual ritual for anybody who lived or grew up in Alberta. 
to take uh, road trips every year, driving out to the west, you know, far west coast, west coast of Vancouver Island. And we did a lot of camping when I was a kid. Uh, one year, I think I was around 10 years old, and, and we decided to take a trip to Long Beach, which is a beautiful stretch of sand on the very far west coast of Vancouver Island uh, between Euclid and Ticino. So it's like tons of fun for kids. Um, but my mom, bless her heart, decided that instead of playing on the beach one day, she'd take us all to an interpretive tour of a rainforest that had been destroyed by fire the year before. So, I mean, that was my early introduction to uh, landscape restoration, I guess. We learned how fire was part of the natural regeneration of forest life. We saw some of the early signs of the forest coming back to life, you know, small flowers and ground cover. And we also learned a bit about the work it took to, to keep the forest going. Um, so I, that was a big highlight of that year to me. And, of course, I remember the forest tour, but I, I don't remember all the details. So I'm really looking forward to today's interview. Well, that's great. I mean, this is the perfect time to, you know, bring our expert on so he can explain in his own words what is forest landscape restoration and why it's so important. Joining us today is Nicholas Mansui from the Canadian Forest Service. Nicholas, how are you? I'm great. What about you? Really good, thank you. Yeah, now definitely. Uh, welcome to Simply Science. And uh, Nicholas, I'm just wondering, this is, these are very strange times with COVID-19, and uh, it's, we're all working from home here. Like, uh, Joelle and myself are working from home. We've never done a podcast with us in a separate room before, so this is different for us. I'm wondering uh, for you, what is it like uh, for your work right now? Are you able to get any work done? Are you, are you part of phase one going back into the office? Or where are things at with you? I'm still in my home, uh, working uh, from my office. And uh, I like to say I'm very uh, comfortable working from home, uh, thanks to my wife, because she's in maternity leave. So uh, I'm, I guess I'm very lucky. She can take care of the kid, and I'm, and I'm working from home. So all good for now. So there's a silver lining to this. Yes, yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the positive uh, side of the COVID, I, I, I like to say. So you do a lot of, I guess you're able to do work from home. Now you work in forest landscape restoration, right? Is that something that you can expand on? Can you explain to us what that means? What is restoration and what's the big picture of what you're trying to do through your work? Yeah, of course. So restoration is the practice of renewing, uh, restoring, reclaiming, a degraded landscape or damaged landscape or damaged ecosystem or habitat, but by active human uh, action and activities on the ground. So it's really related to how we manage the forest or any landscape. So when you say damage, do you mean by uh, like extraction of natural resources? Yeah, actually the sources of degradation are multiple. Uh, of course, we are well aware of the natural resource extraction like mining, forestry, or even agriculture for intensive urban development. But we also have to face, you know, some natural disturbances that could be very severe, like fire, for example, or flood, or drought, or landslide that will happen in a mountain area. So it's not just the human uh, disturbances, but also the natural disturbances that we need 
to uh, restore at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard it uh, described as the Swiss Army knife of ecology. And I'm wondering if you can sort of um, explain that to me a little bit and, and sort of what, what tools do you have in your toolbox um, in terms of restoration? What techniques are you using and uh, that kind of thing? Okay. But before that, I'd like to explain more in detail maybe the concept of restoration. So it, effective restoration uh, requires to identify the driver of the degradation and to provide the best solution to uh, improve the recovery of the ecosystem. But also we need to monitor uh, the response of the ecosystem. And monitoring is very crucial in restoration because the landscape is dynamic and the solution that we uh, provide today may be not uh, relevant tomorrow. So we need to provide adaptive and uh, long-term solutions. So the, the technique and the tool uh, for restoration are multiple, and there is no one-size-fits-all approach. It's really a case-by-case. But generally, we have different states, different stages. So first, we need to assess the, the source and the type of disturbances. We need to look at the goal, the objective that we want to reach. We need to look at the, the people living in the landscape. It's really, really important. And now we, we look at, when looking at the big picture, we realize that uh, the, the well-being of the, of the people living in the landscape, the human dimension of the landscape, is uh, really important. You know, it's not just the ecology, it's also uh, the socio-economy aspect of the landscape that we need to restore, that we need to consider in the recovery of the ecosystem. So going back to your question about the, the Swiss army knife, it's, restoration is a very uh, multidisciplinary uh, uh, discipline and is evolving. So because we work with different main users with different needs and different interests in the landscape, we need to be able to deal with different uh, uh, skill sets. So that's why uh, we call the, the restoration the, 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 the Swiss army knife. So in terms of uh, tools is is, you know, of course we do some modeling and we just did this project looking on how we can restore caribou habitat, but at the same time uh, maintain timber harvesting in the caribou range. And we try to find the best trade-off between uh, the conservation of the restoration habitat, but mm-hmm. also how the, 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 the timber can be still accessed in the same landscape. But that's that's the reality of of the of the um, the discipline of restoration. So it's the big picture, but sometimes we're going to focus on something very specific, depending on the needs of of the clients or the people we work with. So at some point, it's land use management, land use planning, a lot of maps, a lot of GIS, and it's 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 one of the tools of of the restoration. Nicholas, um, can you provide us with some examples of uh, restoration projects that have occurred recently just to uh, help us visualize exactly uh, like real life scenarios where that needs to, those exercises need to be done? Yes. So I'm going to give you this example. So here at the the Northern Forest Tree Center where I work, we have this reward project. So reward stands for reworking, um, uh, sorry, 
uh, re, uh, restoring a working landscape. So Alberta is a very uh, is a very good example how uh, it's complex to manage uh, a multifunctional landscape. So you have different activities, you have forestry, you have mining, you have uh, tourism as well with very uh, beautiful parks and national uh, parks, but you you have also critical uh, habitats for wildlife like caribou, grizzlies. And in addition to that, you have indigenous communities that are a very that have a very a special uh, uh, relationship with the land. And in addition to that, you have climate change, uh, mm -hmm. which has a considerable uh, impact on the landscape. So we will try to address that, looking at looking at at restoring the landscape, and and see what are the different needs and in the, in the for the different land users. So some people are focusing on uh, working in seismic lines, for example. So seismic line in Alberta is uh, is uh, is a linear disturbances that the, the oil and gas need to do to check the resources in the soil. Some people want to restore that. Some people look at caribou habitat. Other people like me, for example, are going to look at the socioeconomic benefits of restoration. That means what's the trade-off between the impact on the extraction activity and the potential uh, uh, job that can be created by restoring the landscape. Other people will look at the soil. Uh, so it's a very, uh, it's a really team effort and we need different skills to do that. So it's really a customized uh, sort of plan for each system you might be looking at, each ecosystem that you might be looking at, it's very fluid what you might use in a restoration project. Um, but you, you bring up a very good point, and that is about climate change. And I'm wondering how you know climate change has impacted your work, or, or you might see it impacting your work in the future. Yeah, climate change is a big driver of the landscape dynamic here in Alberta and almost everywhere in Canada. So just to give you an example, if you decide to plant uh, trees somewhere in the landscape, you have to make sure that this tree is adapted to the new condition, to the potential conditions, not now, but in the future. So we are looking at the impact of climate change in that sense. So what's the best tree, not for tomorrow, but for 50 years, for example. And we need to anticipate the impact of climate change in land use management right now. So that's, that's the challenge dealing with climate change. And we know that in Alberta, we have uh, the prairies, for example, and the grassland in the south that are, are, that are moving uh, northward. So that's the challenge when, for example, when the interest in the landscape, in the landscape is timber. We need to evaluate how the landscape is dynamic, how uh, the, landscape, the landscape is changing. So right now you're working from home. Do you normally work from an office? Do you mostly do field work? Uh, what are you working on right now from home compared to what you would do in a non-quarantine uh, environment? So now what I'm doing, and I, and, and I mentioned that already, so I'm, I'm working on this project looking at the restoration economy. So what we did in wintertime, we consult with different um, different uh, stakeholders and practitioners and private companies and, and small uh, businesses that are involved in restoration and reclamation 
to quantify uh, the potentials to scanning up restoration. What I mean by that is if we have a better idea of the supply chain of restoration, who is doing what along the supply chain, then we can use that as a leverage to do more restoration, to do more reclamation. So we want to quantify that to, to bring that to the equation of restoration. And for now, this is very important because all the restoration economy, all the reclamation economy is really underdocumented in Canada. So we need to value this for the job, and especially now with the post-COVID situation, this is part of the green economy. So we have here a huge potential to value all these jobs and revenue to, uh, to boost the economy. I see. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Nicholas, whether you know um, at all, sort of in a general sense, how much land is damaged across Canada in total? Like, any idea of that? No, I, I don't have I don't have any 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 numbers to provide. But the situation in, in Canada is very is very special compared to what happened at the at the, at the other in the other country because thanks to our good practices in forest management, we have a very very low deforestation rate. So I think it's less than zero point zero one percent. So that means that the forest cover doesn't change much uh, across the year. But what, what we have, and it's special to Canada because our economy is really related to, uh, to the uh, resource extraction. So we have what we call the cumulative effect. So that means at the very same place, uh, there is some overlap between forestry, between mining, but also uh, some natural disturbances. So that's a very specific challenge here in Canada. So in terms of of restoration, that's a big challenge because we need to we need to to to, to deal with with a lot of interaction between all these disadvantages. So you bring up a good point here about like our our, our practices, given how. Um, you know, the government doesn't operate, especially at the federal level, doesn't operate in the silo. We normally have to work with industry, academia, provincial, local governments. Um, do you yourself work with um, a lot of like partners or other government departments? Yeah, exactly. So earlier you mentioned field work. So most of my field work consists in meeting different lane users uh, or different stakeholders. And what I mean by that, that could be uh, one day that could be an oil and gas company, another day that could be a forestry company. After that, I could meet with NGOs or people from uh, the province or indigenous communities. So my day, uh, each day is very different. And it's very challenging because every stakeholder got different, um, they have different interests and different uh, values regarding the landscape. So it's very challenging, but also it's, it's very interesting to be part of this discussion. It is real-life discussion because you need to bring your expertise as a researcher. You need to, to bring how you understand uh, the, 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 the forest dynamics to find solutions. It's a very collaborative work because you need to work with the, with the, 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 the uh, you know, it, it's not just, the ecology, it's all the people living and sharing the, the landscape. Definitely. So you have to be a bit of a sort of a diplomat, a bit of an organizer, uh, a bit of a, a leader, you know, keeping everything going. I'm wondering if, if there have been any surprises in your work along the way, like when you've gone out into the field and you've met somebody and it's, 
and what you've seen and, and the reaction that you get from people when you're working with them that has come as a big surprise to you or a revelation? Yeah, at, at some point I was I was lucky to be involved with with uh, the session table with different uh, indigenous community and and the first thing you, we I, I realized is that every indigenous community uh, is different. So they, 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 it sometimes we tend to put them in the same basket and say, okay, we're going to provide a solution and this solution will will make uh, every community uh, happy. But it is really not the case. And at some point, working working with indigenous community, you realize that they have they have very valuable information to share how the landscape is changing because they have you know they have their eyes on the ground and they're able to to share that at some point. So it's very different working from you how to doing some modeling, uh, playing with data and try to you know to find solution. But when you when you go to this meeting and you see uh, that people that are uh, experiencing the change, the rapid change in the landscape, and that that's something that that you know that brings your attention. So you really want to be uh, a part of this discussion, and at the same time you really want to you know to do your best to to to, uh, 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 to be part of the answer. It really adds a, a good uh, a sense of urgency to what you do. It's very fascinating. Your work is extremely fascinating. Yeah, and you know, just to give you an example, we have we, we have some projects with the with the communities in in Northwest Territories, and you know, they, they they comment a lot on how the the access to the community is changing because of the climate change. And if you're looking at the at the temperature in March, you know, sometimes you have like already 20 degrees. So most of these communities are really dependent on ice road, but at some point. When the, the ice is start to, to melting very fast, so this community is uh, very is even more isolated because of that. So we need to work, and restoration is also part of this solution. So we have a better idea of what the risk, what the constraints in the landscape that affects the the, the, the community, not just uh, looking at the trees, but looking at everything inside the landscape. Nicholas, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about uh, forest landscape restoration, and I hope that you take this uh, quarantine time uh, by uh, you know enjoying your, your your newborn baby. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. It was really nice to speak with Nicholas. Oh, for sure. I thought it was really interesting to hear about how they have to look years down the road and anticipate how climate change happening right now might affect a grown forest years down the road, uh, right down to making sure they have the right kind of trees and vegetation in place. So it's also to show there's like a lot to learn. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Speaking of learning, if you, our audience, would like to learn more about forest reclamation or forestry in general, specifically the type of work that Nicholas and his colleagues are doing, make sure to check out the links available in the episode description. You can also leave a review or share this episode. And if you share over Twitter, make sure to tag us. I'm at Joel Science. And I'm at, at Simply Science B. That's the letter B. Uh, I might remind everyone that Simply Science also has a website and a YouTube channel, which you should check out. We have in-depth articles and interesting videos that showcase the fascinating scientific work that we do at Natural Resources Canada. 
And you can find those links in the episode description as well. Thank you, Barb. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Okay, bye. See you next time.